0: You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show!
1: All right, welcome back. I'm excited today Erica is with me again. If you've been listening along, she stopped along a few times this fall, and this is hopefully gonna be a regular thing that we're going to continue to do. Uh, welcome, Erica. Hey good to have you here. Uh, Today we're going to talk about compromise and this is something that as therapists we see a lot in the room with our couples. Certainly as a married couple with four children we see this a lot even in our own lives. And and I think one of the things as we kind of dive into this is a lot of people really have a terrible definition of compromise, right? There's this popular, oh well compromise is meet in the middle. Well meet in the middle of what is what I always ask them because like in order to meet in the middle how do you do that? And so let's talk a little bit about compromise. What what is it how do we get to it uh, I have four steps that I'm going to share with everyone at the end uh, four questions that that I give to all my clients like hey okay this is how we get to compromise mm-hmm. and you know there are things that it isn't and and sometimes those things are it, it's more about winning than it is about actually compromising about growing the relationship so Erica jump in wherever you want there and let's kick this off
0: I think that Compromise is, I mean, I was actually going to say until you kind of like dissed that idea that it is meeting in the middle.
1: But oh, yeah. No, yeah. it's not. You don't like that term, no, apparently. No, Because so. how do you define middle, right? Like, like what is the middle? Well, how
0: would you, what would you say it is?
1: What do I say what is? If
0: it's not meeting in the middle, what is it?
1: Compromise is where everybody gets a little bit of what they don't want and no one gets all of what they do want.
0: That's actually a pretty smart definition. I'll yeah. give that to you there. <laughs>
1: Thank you. A little bit, because like, meeting in the middle is so nebulous. In It's subjective. It, yeah. You, yeah, that's that's what nebulous means. Um. <laughs> <laughs> In order to get to the middle, you both have to agree on the middle. Where with the definition that I use, you don't actually have to agree on what the middle is. You just have to agree on what you want and what I want. And then we have to figure out how much you're willing to not live with, how much I'm willing to not live with, how much you're willing to tolerate, and how much I'm willing to tolerate. And I think that's one of the reasons that couples get stuck is because they're planning on meeting in the middle, but neither one of them has a very clear idea of what the middle is. And if you don't know what the middle is, then there's no way you're gonna meet there.
0: See, that's why I married you. You're not only incredibly, I don't know, of my incredibly hot, but
1: big personality. <laughs> personality,
0: yeah. yeah. You're also really smart. So, see, I learned something. I like that definition. Great. So, what I see with couples is they they fight for power in these, like, right? Yeah. Well, yep. you know, I even heard recently someone said to me, "Well, we could take turns getting our way," but that sets you up for failure too.
1: Right? Mostly because it's a three year old's approach to adult problem solving. Sure Hopefully that. your clients don't listen to this <laughs> episode. Sure that's
0: one way to say it. <laughs> I think it's about how can we both, like you said, get a little bit of what we want. So what does that look like? Um, I want to work. Oh, well, here's an example. Like we have to get some stuff done around the house and you want to go off and hunting seasons coming up. My favorite
1: season. Your
0: favorite season. Can we compromise a little bit and where you can still get what you want done, but we can also get a little time towards the house and how can we make that happen? That we both can get that. Or um, we compromise all the time when it comes to being with relatives, right? Like (laughs) you almost spit out your tea right there. (laughs) But, you know, like when we go to my family's house, they won't be offended. They know this is how it goes. You'll often say to me like, I want to go off and, and write and I'll say to you, well, there's this family activity and I'd like you there. And you're like, okay, well, can I go sit at a coffee shop then for the afternoon and come back for the family activity? Absolutely. That works for me. And that's kind of where I think, you know, your example of this is how we both win.
1: Right, because it has to be the problem with the idea in the middle is it's still scorekeeping, right? Like you're still scorekeeping and we know that healthy relationships don't keep score. And so if we're keeping score, even if the motive is good, we're almost always still going to lose on whatever it is that we're trying to do it, whatever it is that we're trying to get done. It's not going to work out. And and so the idea with, okay, well, we're going to take turns getting our way. The problem is, and and recently, you know, we encountered some people like, oh, you're a little judgy. And I was like, I don't really feel that I am, but here's going to be a statement that I know people are going to interpret as judgy. We're raising entitled, spoiled people. And I'm not even talking about kids. Like I always kind of laugh when the people that I think are the most entitled rail and rave about high schoolers being entitled. And and that is bleeding into marriages and that's destroying marriages. And that's why marriages are sitting on our couches. Uh, and that is not to shame anyone. It's just reality. We have told you that in order for your life to have meaning, it has to be all about you. And that's not only wrong, it, it's destructive. And people roll into their marriage and they want to win. They want to win because they've been told their whole life that whatever they want is the most important thing. And that's how they win. And obviously that is not accurate. And you and I both would say, well, no, that's actually a great way to really blow your marriage up. But people don't want to hear that. Well,
0: one of the things you often say is you can't be right and reconciled. Correct. And I think that you have to choose that even in situations like this when you're trying to figure out how to compromise.
1: Right, and that's something I've said on this show numerous times. Um, sorry, for those of you who are listening, you can't see this. I've been toying around with the idea of videoing some of our recordings and then using them as advertisements, you know, little plugs. But the tripod that I have is not working. So if my voice sounds like my head's running all over, it's mostly because it is.
0: Your tripod kind of looks like an octopus, by the way. Yeah, it's
1: actually called an octopus oh, tripod. Look so look at that. Yeah. yeah, and it's orange, which is your favorite color. And I got that color on purpose. That way, every time I see it, I think of you. Oh, aren't you uh, sweet. It's true. I am. Uh, but right. And, and so what happens is when you roll into a marriage and your operating starting point is I'm right or else you're in trouble. It doesn't matter how much you want to compromise because you're always going to define compromise. You're going to be keeping a ledger of how many points you have versus how many points the other person has. And then you're you're no longer compromising. You're worried about being right and you won't be reconciled and be right.
0: One of the common arguments I see actually in the room is over household chores. Do you see that?
1: Household chores, who's running who to wear, you know, who, whose house are we spending, whose relative's house are we spending time at? Um, what I always think, what I always think is funny about the household chores, and we've even had this conversation. I think sometimes because people don't see the other person do chores, they overestimate how many chores they do in their head and they underestimate how many chores the other person does. And and invariably, like, I'll have the conversation, somebody will be sitting there, well, he never does anything around the house he, and he'll be like that's not true. What do you want me to do? And she'll be like this. He's like, I just did that yesterday and last week. And, and there's this thing that we talk about a lot called uh, discounting the positive, right? It's a cognitive distortion. I think that starts to play in there then because you're when, when everything is based on a final score, then, then I have to win because I'm a winner and that's what I do. And I am not going to sit here and listen to you tell me that you do more chores than me when I know I do more chores than you. And it's just silly. It's just silly.
0: Well, one of the things I even see a lot is when should the household stuff be done and who gets to decide if we, the toilets get cleaned every day or once a week and who gets to decide if the dishes have to be done after every meal or can they sit there until the next day or... Or who, where do they
1: go if they sit there? Right. Do they go in the sink or on the counter? Had a couple of thought yeah. about that. Yep. Or, well, she'll ask me to do something. I'll say, yeah, I'll do it in a half hour. And then she's like, never mind, I'll do it. And she'll go get mad because it was not only supposed to be done, but it was supposed to be done when they wanted it done mm-hmm. and so this is how people get in trouble how do you coach them and getting out of it
0: I always uh, well first of all one of my favorite things which probably people don't like is if it's that big of a deal to you do it yourself
1: yeah imagine right? that. <laughs> imagine that you
0: can't control someone else so if you have a pet peeve <coughs> that you don't want coffee mugs sitting on the end tables for more than a half hour then okay then you go around and collect the end tables to be honest I do this at my house my kids are notorious for leaving coffee mugs in the living room it's only a problem to me that they're sitting there, it seems like I don't say anything anyone. I just pick them up and put them in the sink because I have two arms and I can do that myself. It's what do you not a say to deal. people
1: who are like, "Well, but then your kids will never learn to pick up after themselves"?
0: Well, I hope I'm teaching them skills right. that, and I'm also acknowledging that they're also busy and giving them some grace in the season of their life.
1: Right, and I think that that idea, that pushback, is is born in the the all or nothing thinking fallacy. I really think that that couples and compromise is one of the best areas where you see the cognitive distortions and logical fallacies just running them up in people's lives
0: i even see it a lot with unfortunately stay-at-home moms I feel like I have this conversation a lot with them and their spouses over this idea of like compromising and giving and take because there's neither one of them understand the other person's job. The person who works outside the home, what what their job entails. And then the person who works outside the home doesn't understand what the person who stays home does. And it's really important, like compromise looks at like, hey, I'm going to look at it from your lens and what you might have going on in the day and then set goals together. So you'd ask me like, well, how do you solve those? I tell couples, well, if you want the bathrooms cleaned every day, that might not be realistic. Are you willing to agree that maybe the bathrooms could be cleaned three times a week? And most of the time, when I ask those questions in the room, the person who's like, "Yeah, I want it done every week," is like, "I mean, yeah, I could live with three times a week. That, right. would, that would work." And all of a sudden, we've come in the middle of this argument. I mean, well,
1: technically, you're not in the
0: middle. Okay, sorry, in the middle. We've we've come to a compromise. How's that?
1: I like In that. this
0: argument, where both people get a little bit of what they want. See, so buying your terms again. And
1: neither person got everything that they did want. Correct. And, and that's where it runs. You know, a lot of times, uh, one of the things I tell people all the time is you have to be able to tell your spouse no. You have to be able to look at your spouse and say, I understand that's what you want. That isn't what I want and I'm not going to do it. And you need to have good reasons. Like, I don't think it needs to be done. is isn't necessarily a great reason, but it's a it's a viable one. You can start there, right? I don't feel I have time. You know, I'm not sure what I would take off my plate. Whatever. But And then you both have to act like adults and because you disagree on how often the bathroom needs clean doesn't mean you have permission or the right, air quotes, to be snarky about what's for supper. Like, it's just insane. We just give ourselves passes for poor behavior. Yes. And we can't do that.
0: And sometimes, like, compromising isn't an immediate result either. I remember when you were in grad school, people made comments to me all the time like, wow, Erica, you have to take care of the kids all the time and you got to remember them everywhere they're going and you got to go buy them stuff just so Joe can go to school. Oh, how nice of you. Well, just so Joe could go to school. I mean, he was working two, three jobs still to try to support our family and go to grad school. And then guess what happened when I went to grad school? He was finished. He wasn't working three jobs. He was working one job and he had to start doing all the running. I remember one time there was a recital and our daughter didn't have shoes and we figured this out like, an hour before her recital. I'm in class. I couldn't go. So Joe had to leave work, run to Meyer, get shoes for our daughter, get her to the recital because, you know, that was three years later. You kind of gave back what I was giving and vice versa because we're a team.
1: One of the reasons I dropped out of the doctoral program I was in was because it didn't work for our family at that time. And and that's the thing. The the other problem with the the meet-in-the-middle mindset to me is... It sets people up to fail to think long term, which is what you're talking about there. Right and they only think short-term. And by short-term, and it's amazing to me, I think because you and I tend to be such long-term thinkers that I, I've had to learn over the years that people tend to think a long-term is a month. Right. You know, no, oh yeah, I'm, I'm thinking long-term, it's four weeks. No, that's still short-term, bro. You, you know, and so what happens is as they start to think longer-term, okay, well, so yeah, I'm doing it. We're out of balance in, in these three years from 07 to 10 while I'm in grad school. Uh-huh. Taking 15 credits an hour, working three jobs, uh-huh. right? Volunteering in the community uh, for things that we were passionate about as a family. And then three years later, right, two years later, because it was the year Joey was born that I dropped out. Okay, I need to stop now, you know, because this is what's best for our family. And the long-term ramifications of that have been great for us. Yes. But if they, they, they might not have had the opportunity to come about if we didn't take that, we're going to live out of balance here for this time, and then we're going to live out of balance for this time. We're so... One of the things I was scheduled to do a a a training on on self-care and and so I was kind of for counselors and I was kind of picking the brain of the person who wanted it and and a lot of self-care comes down to this uh, ideology comes down to this idea of right now I have to do whatever is best for me right now because if I'm out of balance right now I'll be out of balance the rest of my life that's insanity and it it definitely blows up relationships so compromise is recognizing I'm gonna be with this woman you you know ideally we got married I was 25 you you know hopefully I, I don't die till I'm 100 so you know 75 years I'm gonna be with This woman, we can probably compromise a little bit here or there and move through it. So, I do have four questions that I want to get to, but I want to make sure you have no time. Is there anything else that you want to say about this?
0: I just want to say, even with like having to drop out of your doctorate program, you were never once like, oh, I failed or I had to lose here so you could go get your degree, Erica. Right. It was, this is, we had to talk like, well, what's best for our family? Right. Which means it's not about winning or losing, it's the big picture. And I think that's where couples fail to step back and stop and evaluate like, Am I looking at the big picture on what's best overall for the family?
1: Right. It wasn't about like, oh, I got to quit. And it literally is, hey, what's best for our family? What sets us up for success? And I think part of the problem is, too, people make decisions that turn turn out to be not best for the family. But rather than go through the pain of trying to undo that decision and then make a better decision, they get stuck because they're bent bent on winning. They're gonna make this work and they just keep applying intensity and it doesn't work. Can you
0: have one more example? Yeah. Like we, you know, you and i often talk about exactly. you've dreamed to have a boat, right? Like it comes up every summer you want a boat. The Martinos still do not own a boat. But one of the things is I don't say to you like oh my gosh, Joe, no, we're never getting a boat. It's, well, what comes, what might come before that? And we agree as a family, like, okay, well, this other thing might be a little more of a priority than a boat right now. And a boat, it's not out of the question. It's just, we have to set the tension of there's other things more important right now.
1: Right. What's the old joke? I wanted a boat, you wanted a camper. So we compromised and we got a camper.
0: <laughs> That's your old <laughs>
1: joke, by the way. <laughs> Uh, And and so there is this idea of making sure that the decisions are in the best interest of your relationship, but I'd push it out. And so here's four steps that I teach all my clients. What do you want? Write that down and get your spouse or your partner to be able to write that down too. And that should be one or two sentences. What does your spouse or partner want? You should be able to get that down to one or two sentences. You both need to spend time answering that question down to one or two sentences. Then is it possible to do both? If it is, then we're we're on easy street and there's really not a whole lot of work to do here besides do the scheduling of where are we are gonna end up? Then the fourth question, and this is where it gets more complicated, what if we can't do both, right? What if if me buying the boat means we can't buy the camper, or you buying, the, we buy on the camper means I can't buy the boat? How do we make that work? Or if it's, I want my kids to go to this school, and she wants our kids to go to that school, or she wants to go to Christmas Eve service, and I think that time should be spent at home. You can't do both of those. So then you have to kind of have a subset of questions, and which decision best represents our family values? Now, this is not an exact science because, you know, when we're trying to make decisions and compromises between good or bad, that's easy. When we're trying to make decisions and compromises between good and good, then we've got trouble. Then it's difficulty, right? Right. And so that's fine. But what best represents our family values? And this is the conversation that you and I have a ton. Okay, so fine. We want to do this, but how does that fit into the greater scope of what we're trying to do? And so there's two questions inherent there. What are what are our family values? And what's the bigger picture of what we're trying to get done here, right? Is it just to create memories for the kids? Is it to create memories for the kids and leave a legacy for our grandkids? What is it? What is it that we're trying to do? And how does it fit? Because it's always going to cost you something. And so when you start having to figure out what is it that works best for our values and what we're trying to do with our family, most of the time there's space to figure out how do we make those compromises. So rather than the bathroom getting cleaned every day, it gets cleaned three times a week or two times a week, or rather than you know laundry getting done by one person, we split it up, whatever it is. It has to be about more than the event that you're arguing about. The conversation has to be about how does the event or the decision that you're discussing fit into your family value. And that's usually where I leave clients and it's hard work, but it can be done. Anything you want to finish with? No, that
0: sounds perfect.
1: Awesome. All right. Thanks so much for listening. If if you found value in this, please share it with your friends. We find meaning by sharing things with other people. So find three friends, share this episode with us, with them. Give us a rating in the app store of your choice for podcast players. If you have any questions, feel free to email me joe at martino.com. Put podcast in the subject line. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend and hey, Give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.